You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaikum to everyone that's listening. And welcome to our show regarding Islamic inheritance. Uh, this is the first show um, of a series um, that we'll be doing in English. And um, we're quite, uh, you could say, fortunate and blessed uh, to be uh, with uh, Imam uh, Abdurrahman Mehdi. And he's an Imam from uh, the Wishaw Masjid. And he's agreed to um, teach us about uh, Islamic inheritance and to do these radio programs. So inshallah the idea is that um, this will be a part of a series so there will be a continuation of shows and inshallah it will continue um, for as long as needed so that we can cover as much as possible to cover um, upon a radio uh, show. So inshallah I'll pass it over to um, Imam uh, Abdurrahman and he can uh, inshallah introduce us to the topic of inheritance. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhin astafa Amma ba'd Fa'audhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim Bismillahir rahmanir rahim Yusikumullahu fi awladikum lidhakari mithlu haddil unthayain Ila akhiril aya Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh First of all, jazakumullah khaira for inviting me to this important program of uh, Islam and inheritance and Islamic inheritance. The first question regarding the importance of inheritance in Islam. So as we can see in the Quran, we learn from the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself mentioned the importance of obligatory shares of inheritance in Surah An-Nisa the verse 11 and 12 address this mas'ala issue of inheritance similarly the very last verse of Surah An-Nisa and uh, the last verse of Surah An-Nafal also speaks about inheritance and mirath in Islam After mentioning the detail, masail and laws of inheritance in the verse 11 and 12 in Surah An-Nisa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Tilka hududullah. After mentioning the laws, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Tilka hududullah. That these are the limits set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَنْ يُطِعِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ يُدْخِلْهُ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا وَذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the reward of those who practice upon the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the obligations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that whoever obeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will admit him in Jannah beneath which rivers flow, where he will live forever. That is a great success. 
Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that وَمَنْ يَعْسِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ And those who disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and وَجَتَعَدَّ حُدُودَهُ يُدْخِلْهُ نَارًا خَالِدًا فِيهَا وَلَهُ عَذَابٌ مُحِينٌ And transgresses the limits set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shall admit him in the fire where he will live remain forever and that is the that that is a humiliating uh, punishment so the commentators have mentioned that why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after mentioning the detailed law of inheritance why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned these uh, two verses to show us the importance of inheritance that we consider salah namaz obligatory prayer, psalm, fasting. Similarly, uh, <coughs> obligatory charity, zakat, and uh, pilgrimage, hajj. All of these commandments are important. Yes, they are important. These are the main pillars of Islam. But at the same time, the other laws, for example, the inheritance, this is also important. This, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned this in detailed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says يُوسِيكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي أَوْلَادِكُمْ لِلذَّكَرِ مِثْلُ حَظِّ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala started in this verse with يُوسِيكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي أَوْلَادِكُمْ لِلذَّكَرِ مِثْلُ حَظِّ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself sets the laws of inheritance <coughs> by uh, addressing the Ummah that these are the laws of inheritance and لِلذَّكَرِ مِثْلُ حَظِّ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ Inshallah Ta'ala will sp- you know, speak about this Inshallah Ta'ala in detail that uh, the uh, male uh, gets mm, twice more than a female and why this law why do we uh, take this? Why do we, uh, why Islam, why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gives more to the male and less to the female? That is another subject, inshallah ta'ala, will talk about this because briefly uh, the male has more responsibility and uh, because at the time of marriage he gives uh, dowries as well, mahar, that is called mahar, and uh, similarly. Uh, the nafqa, the expenditure uh, money and uh, all the household responsibilities they are compulsory upon the male and upon the husband and uh, in Islam for a female it is not uh, important for her to earn and uh, share uh, in the household income it is sole responsibility of the husband so because of there are various reasons the ulama, ulama and the mufassirun they have explained the various reasons. So basically in Islam uh, a woman is a queen. When she is with her you know, father then the father looks after her. When she is with uh, her husband then the husband looks after her. And when she is with her you know, brothers and the brothers they earn and they spend on her. So because of there are so many reasons and in Mirath in Zamanai Jahiliya, in uh, uh, before Islam, pre-Islam, they never used to give anything in inheritance. 
to women. And then uh, it is also narrated, it is also uh, the commentators have mentioned that uh, the mothers and the sisters, the daughters, uh, they, nev- they never used to get anything before Islam. But in Islam, they are treated equally and not even uh, equally more than they have more rights than men. So, for example, at the time of marriage, the mahar is compulsory, the nafqa for her is compulsory, the sukna, expend, nafqa is expend, expenditure money, and sukna, meaning the accommodation is, expend, uh, is uh, compulsory upon the husband. Similarly, uh, clothing is, expense, uh, is uh, compulsory and obligatory upon the husband. So all of these uh, responsibilities, uh, the husband takes care of these responsibilities. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, detail, in detail Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions uh, Similarly, uh, for the parents, there is one-sixth. And uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions further further that آبَاؤُكُمْ وَبَنَاؤُكُمْ لَا تَدْرُونَ أَيُّهُمْ أَقْرَبُ لَكُمْ نَفَعًا فَرِيضَةً مِّنَ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلِيمًا حَكِيمًا Now, sometimes, uh, for example, we uh, in our society, we want to deprive someone. And uh, we don't want to give the full share or we don't want to give anything at all. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that in your <coughs> fathers and your sons, no one knows who is closer to you in benefiting you. For example, someone thinks that my son Abdullah, he uh, didn't take care of me, he didn't look after me in my old age, and uh, I should deprive him. But no one knows that this same son might be more beneficial to him than the one who served him. How? That uh, the example is given that uh, he, after the death, he might do uh, more for his father, for example, leaving Sadaq Ajariya or something like this, or praying for his father or for his mother, and uh, leaving Sadaq Ajariya. So, in, in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions uh, the other laws, for example, the share of uh, the husband and the share of the, uh, for the wife. And <coughs> similarly, at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that these are the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those who obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enter them into paradise so in, in hadith there are uh, numerous hadith <coughs> talk about the importance of uh, inheritance the, uh, the about regarding this commandment in one hadith the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is reported to have said that learn faraid obligatory shares and also teach people learn faraid and also teach people so uh, but, sorry uh, imam sab so for, uh, when you're saying uh, obligatory shares you're meaning the, the the shares of inheritance inheritance yes okay just the just shares of in- inheritance yes so and similarly uh, learn the quran and faraid faraid the obligatory shares yeah. and uh, teach 
this faraid, this knowledge of inheritance to people. Because a time will come upon people when two men will argue regarding their faridah, regarding their obligatory shares, and they will not find anyone who will judge uh, uh, between them uh, according to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is important to learn this. And in another hadith, it is mentioned that uh, same, uh, teach for either the obligatory shares of inheritance, uh, learn them and teach them because it is half of knowledge. Nisful ilm. It is called nisful ilm, half of knowledge. So <clears throat> another hadith, it is mentioned that it is my way, meaning learning the Islamic inheritance is the way of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The way of Sunnah. It is Sunnah way. So learn Faraid and <clears throat> then the Hadith further explains it is the first thing that will taken away from my Ummah. And we see nowadays that people, you know, those who, mashallah, pray and practice Islam, mashallah, those who go to Hajj and Umrah and fast, mashallah, during the month of Ramadan. But when it, come, when it comes to inheritance, then very few people act upon on this. First of all, the Masail of inheritance are difficult. The rulings, yeah. Yes, the, the rulings are dif difficult. And uh, <clears throat> similarly, sometimes making a will bequest at the time of death, most of the time, the bequest and uh, the will is written without the Islamic knowledge, without the proper knowledge and without without the consultation of uh, the scholars so we should try to <coughs> consult the scholars our local aimma and those who are expert in this field to know the laws of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yeah yeah and <coughs> so you were saying that this is the an obligation it's not the, like this isn't like an optional part of um our religion this is something that we have to uh, to not necessarily know the in-depth details of it but when the time comes we have to distribute it according to the the way that islam has set out it's not something that we can just do whatever way um we wish that's, that's true it's not optional it is uh, obligatory it's obligatory yeah. so um imam sab uh, maybe the next thing that would be good to know is that um what in Islam, what is uh, counted among the person's uh, estate? <coughs> so when the person passes away, and uh, what is it that will be distributed? You know, is it like, uh, is it the house? Is it the money? Is it land? What What, what is it? You know, is it <coughs> personal belongings? You know, what What would be, uh, what, what, what does uh, the Quran or the Hadith or the Sunnah uh, explain about this? MashaAllah. So this question, it's very important question and uh, before we uh, discuss further <coughs> regarding the Islamic inheritance, we need to know uh, this is called, in Arabic this is called taraka. So in Arabic this is called taraka, the assets, <coughs> the property. So anything which the mayyat the deceased. The deceased leaves is called taraka. 
but the taraka is something upon which other people's haq is not attached or on which other people's haq is not attached for example uh, <coughs> zaid before he passed away he borrowed someone's car yeah. and this this is not part of his taraka now this isn't part of his assets now because it doesn't yeah because it doesn't belong to him yeah now before for example zaid or abdullah we can take the example of you know abdullah abdullah or zaid uh, a few days his death he gave something for example uh, 10000 pounds as wadi'ah wadi'ah is called amana the trust yeah okay, okay. yeah can you please keep this money and uh, for example he's going on a hajj journey or going somewhere yeah and when i come back i will take it from you so for example he trusted you and uh, now you are holding his trust now okay holding his uh, property now now <coughs> this is part of taraka now because this is yes because it essentially yes. belongs to yeah belongs to him belongs to him yeah so basically every ain and every dain for example every thing which he owns and anything which he for example if he uh, gave uh, 10000 pounds as loan to abdullah zaid before he died he gave 10000 pounds loan to abdullah now this is even this is also his property this is also his property so this is called taraka so before we distribute distribute the wealth we have to know we have to cal- calculate the taraka first yeah. the assets okay. that how much he left for example two properties a car and uh, for example his bank balance even a needle even if he left is you know you can say the smallest thing you can think of but valuable thing yeah that is part of his taraka and to not to distribute that and not to uh, give that to the rightful owners the heirs after him it is a great sin and that brings us to another subject for example uh, if someone for example if someone uh, from his children yeah is under the age of puberty is not baligh is na baligh under the age of puberty so to distribute or to take anything from his possession without their uh, even if some, if even if they agree it is still uh, not halal it is still not permissible because when if they permit if they give permission their permission is not valid because they are na baligh so we must keep their share give their share to them and distribute the wealth properly from the taraka so after the death the first thing we should do is to calculate the taraka yeah. the assets yeah so yeah. so so we're talking about um just some of the things that you had mentioned like financially if he had given someone a loan then that money should be brought back because yeah. that's part of his assets yeah um if he owed somebody or someone gave him something to look after 
um, that should be returned to the owner yeah, because to that, the owner. that isn't yeah. part of his estate. That's right. And his house and his business and uh, you're saying even down to the smallest things. So I'm guessing like clothing and Everything. jewelry and Everything. whatever he possesses. Yeah. Um, this should all be kind of um, uh, included within uh, Taraka, within the estate. Yes, everything is is part of his estates. Okay, Jazakallah yeah. khair. So, 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 so now we have like uh, a better idea that you know uh, the wealth has been, um, the person has uh, passed away, and this is what has been, um, was it called, left behind. So before we go on to like how it should be uh, distributed, um, I've heard there's there's a thing uh, called there is some rulings regarding the final illness, you know. So um, maybe the you could maybe explain that a little bit more because that has an effect upon the inheritance as well. Yeah. <clears throat> Mashallah, this question uh, regarding the final final illness. And we did this in Urdu as well, uh, in the previous, yeah, <coughs> episode. episode yeah. Yeah. So, <coughs> uh, final illness <coughs> is called Maradul Maut or Maradul Wafat in Arabic. And the laws of this are also mentioned in the books of Fiqh, the Hadith. So, first of all, which illness is called the maradul maut, the final illness, and how this will affect on the inheritance, yeah, on the assets, on his estate, his or her estate. So first of all, the final illness means the illness in which he or she died. Now that brings us to another uh, question. For example, if someone Uh, became ill for a long time. For example, uh, Abdullah was diagnosed of cancer, yeah, or something like this, and he's going through under, you know, he's going through treatment, yeah. So the final illness uh, for two years, or for for example, for six months, yeah, he is ill now shall we call should we call the you know the six months period or two years period the final final illness maradul wafat or there is something else so the fuqaha the jurists explained this masala that for example if someone is sick then the sickness increases. When the sickness increases and in that sickness at the very last stage, for example, if someone was ill for six months, but before he died for two, two weeks, he was severely ill. So this, these two weeks will be called Maradul Wafat, not the period of all six months. So it's the sort of uh, the pit where it, it really gets more yeah, serious. Where more the, serious, yes. Where the, the person's health is yeah, seriously yeah. deteriorated. Now, yes. Um, even although it might have been... Uh, so that is called Maradul Wafat, actually. Okay. Yeah. And there are laws regarding Maradul Wafat. Sometimes he does iqrar, meaning confirm something, admit something. Yeah. 
and sometimes it denies something. So there are laws and uh, inshallah we'll discuss these in, uh, in detail and uh, the other uh, parts of inheritance, for example, the jihiz and takfir and uh, paying off the debts and everything. We've just started to touch on um, certain aspects. So for example, we have, uh, Imam has uh, mentioned what taraka is, what, what are the assets or the estate that a person uh, leaves behind. So Alhamdulillah, he's, he's explained this. And then just before the break, we had uh, Imam had started uh, teaching us about um, the, uh, the final illness um, because this uh, has an impact on certain rulings um, regarding inheritance. So if I can ask uh, Imam Sabah, if you can continue from uh, where you left off regarding uh, the final illness. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi ladin astafa. Amma ba'd. We were talking about Maradul Wafat, Maradul Maut, the fine, final illness. And there are a few important uh, masail regarding this. <coughs> Number one regarding the iqrar, uh, the transactions. For example, now, in Maradul Wafat, the Fuqaha have mentioned, the jurists, that some types of transactions are not allowed. To buy something, uh, number one, for example, Zaid, in his deathbed, he bought something and the actual value of that thing was 15,000 pounds and he paid more purposely just to harm the heirs, the inheritors. So that they would receive yeah, less. They receive less, yeah. So this type of transactions are not allowed in Maradul Wafat. Yeah. Now this happens actually, you know, the person who's dying, he thinks that uh, my son or, uh, for example, the wife or the daughters, they didn't look after me. And now he wants to take re revenge. Yeah. So because of this reason, for example, if something, uh, a diamond, costs 10,000 pounds and he buys it for 20,000 pounds, so this transaction is not allowed. So the uh, Qadi, the uh, Islamic judge, can actually reverse this transaction. He can actually return this transaction. Similarly, selling th something under value. Something costs 10,000 pounds and he's selling it for 5,000. Yeah. So this is also not allowed in Maradur Wafat. Then there are some iqrars, for example, uh, if he uh, confirms and uh, admits that he has to pay, uh, for example, and there are witnesses as well, that he has to pay 10,000 pounds to uh, such and such person. So this transaction, this type of iqrar is very qawi and it is very strong iqrar. Compared to that iqrar, 
meaning uh, he admits uh, in Maradul Wafat while on his deathbed that he has to pay someone's debt 10,000 pounds and there are no witnesses. Okay. So there are some laws and inshallah ta'ala maybe uh, we need to discuss inshallah ta'ala these laws uh, in, some, in some other episode inshallah ta'ala. Okay. And, so, uh, yeah. so at the moment um, you were saying that during this final illness which is the most like sort of intense part before the yeah. person dies um, so th- like they're selling something um, at a you know, a lower price to harm the, in the, the heirs or selling something um, or buying something that is, you know, you're just extravagantly spending a lot of money for something that's yeah. not really worth that. Um, this is wrong. Is there another one as well with regards to the wife? Some people were saying that um, sometimes a, a husband might try to, you know, divorce their wife uh, in the final illness mm-hmm. if maybe the relationship hasn't yeah. been that great. The divorce takes place if the divorce is uh, raji'i or is bayna yeah if the divorce meaning he doesn't uh, give full three divorces yeah the okay. the last limit of uh, divorce is three then after that ruju cannot take place no. he cannot take her back but if it's returnable divorce which is called in arabic talaq uh, raji'iyah yeah so in the divorce takes place even in maradul wafat even in the final illness and uh, if he dies uh, and she is still in her iddat while she is in iddah of three months her waiting period yeah. yeah her waiting period after having been yeah. given the divorce yes after uh, divorce yeah and she will inherit from She'll him inherit, yeah okay. she she will still inherit from her okay Jazakallah yeah. khair. so um also uh, one of the for example if uh, uh, the wife takes khula she so she yeah. asks to be divorced yeah. yeah she wants to be she, she wants, wants to marriage nullified yeah nullified or dissolved okay. so this will take place there's n- you know there's nothing uh, there's no disagreement in this yeah definitely this will you know take place and the khula will be granted and <clears throat> even in this case if she is in her idda and uh, he dies in the husband dies in her idda then she will inherit from okay yeah so um i guess next uh, imam sahab is that um so we've covered like um that what is the estate that's going to be left behind and some slightly touched upon some rulings regarding the final illness so when the eventual happens and the person passes away hmm. um, now the inheritance that is left over what should be done with that first the first thing <coughs> uh, after the death <coughs> it is there are four things and we are going to discuss inshallah ta'ala, these uh, four things uh, step by step so the four duties which need to be performed after the death number one is payment of funeral expenses it's called tajheez and takfeen yeah so the tajheez and takfeen will be done from the taraka from the state okay, now, so, so from, yeah. from the person's own from the person's own wealth yeah now let's take the example because when we understand these masail from the examples, 
through the examples then this will become easy inshallah because this subject is a very dry subject so if for example Zaid died and he left behind uh, 100,000 pounds in his taraka okay. in his estate now the payment of funeral costs 5,000 pounds yeah and there are some masail and there are some other uh, masail in this that uh, the uh, expenses shouldn't be very high nor very less for the funeral funeral, funeral costs yeah okay so burial cost it shouldn't be very very expensive like to hire a very expensive car or to Uh, because now, after his death, whatever he spent in his life, whatever he uh, used, utilized in his life, that was his, after his death, that doesn't belong to him now. Okay. That belongs to the heirs. Yeah. So, the jurists have mentioned that the funeral expenses shouldn't be very very high shouldn't expen- uh, spend the money lavishly and uh, just for no reason for example people put so much you know expensive flowers and hiring a very expensive car and uh, <coughs> you can say like just wasting money yeah so this is not this is also forbidden this is not permissible similarly to uh, show it stinginess at that time and uh, not to spend the appropriate amount of money so that uh, a good type of shir- uh, shroud and the coffin yeah. is given to the mayyat yeah and similarly uh, to pay the moderately paying the funeral cost yeah uh, to do it less than that yeah not to spend as someone supposed to spend and uh, take care of the mayyat the deceased and uh, you know someone thinks that now what's the point spending so much money on funeral now and uh, i should buy for example uh, during his lifetime or her lifetime if they wore uh, you can say not too expensive clothes or too uh, cheaper So, so something yeah. that was like something, moderate, yeah, normal. moderate, yeah. So, sp- you're spending moderately, yeah. This is, uh, this is recommended, yeah. This is desirable and mustahab, uh, spending moderately, not too expensive, and not too, uh, very cheap quality, yeah. So, this is what the fuqaha and the jurists have mentioned okay. regarding the shroud and the funeral expenses. So, so, so again, so it's kind of mentioning that. There should be a moderate amount spent upon the, sh- the shroud, the actual cloth that covers the body. Um, and then I'm guessing that nowadays we use like the box, you know, uh, the coffin. Yeah, the uh, similar rule. So, apply, so this yeah. would be included within that as well. Yeah. And see the, um, the, the costs of carrying out the funeral. So yeah. sometimes there's like transporting the body, um, possibly, you know, preparing the body. Um, and then the burial, you know, digging the ground, or yeah. sometimes even the ground itself, like for example yeah. in Glasgow, um, that has to be then purchased. So you're saying maybe that might cost about, you know, four and a half, five thousand pounds, yeah. even okay. on, at a moderate amount. Yeah. Uh, so 
So that would be included within that is everything is included. Okay. Now let's take the example of the box, the coffin now. Yeah. Yeah. A coffin costs, for example, two thousand pounds. Yeah. And this is the best quality one. Yeah. And the cheaper one is two hundred pounds. And the moderate one in the middle costs around eight hundred pounds or a thousand pounds. So to buy the yeah, moderate one is recommendable, it is desirable, mustahab, rather than buying very expensive or buying very cheap. Jazakallah khair. And Imam um, what about um, you know, when someone passes away and they um, have the gravestone um, on the, on the what's it called, uh, uh, on the grave, <coughs> would, would that be okay to take that from the the money that w- the, the estate that was left over yeah this masala has been mentioned by uh, mufti salman mansoor puri yeah mufti in india in his kitab uh, nawazil he has mentioned this masala uh, first of all you know this dunya is temporary dunya yeah this life is temporary yeah nowadays we spend so much money waste so much money on grave you know stones headstones and the other things on flowers and you know on uh, khatams and uh, on other things on these are all rusums just customs yeah these are not part of the quran and hadith sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam yeah so <coughs> to buy a not very very expensive just a simple gravestone just a simple gravestone there is permissibility and the fuqaha and the uh, muftis they have uh, allowed it yeah but to buy very very expensive for example very large and expensive and then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name is written on it sometimes ayatul kursi is written on it and then uh, Allah, Muhammad, and then Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. This is not permissible. This is not permissible at all. First of all, <coughs> this is <coughs> like taking other people's haq. For example, if there are three or four brothers and one wants to spend money from the taraka, from the state, and he wants to buy. 2000 pounds gravestone and the others they disagree but they don't say anything they don't want to do this or you can say from out of four brothers and sisters one is practicing he knows the sunnah way and he doesn't uh, he doesn't agree yeah even from the top he agrees from the bottom of his heart he dislikes so this is not jayz this is not allowed okay yeah someone someone this wealth doesn't belong to the father or the mother now the, to the deceased now this wealth is the wealth of inheritors now yeah so to spend this you know to spend so much money on the gravestone and especially write the quran ayats and ayatul kursi and everything it is not permissible okay yeah. 
So, <clears throat> so basically, uh, the khulasa and the you know, conclusion of this, uh, you know, the answer is that uh, it is allowed, and but it's just this, you know, just a small gravestone with simply with you know, uh, simple name written on it. It is allowed. Okay. Other than that, it's not. It is not allowed. This, uh, so you'd also you touched on uh, khatam. So sometimes people will have maybe like a gathering for everybody. Maybe the people who attended the janaza or the, the funeral, or people who uh, maybe you know after a certain amount of time they might get together and read Quran and so they serve food and things. So you'd mentioned that these khatams are not included within that money. So this maybe no. the family can do it themselves, but yes. it shouldn't be used. The families, from that money. you know, the family can do it, you know, themselves, yeah, from their own pocket, yeah from their own money yeah but it should not be taken from the estate okay yeah it should not be taken from the estate uh, okay jazakallah khair um uh, Sahib, so um so we've kind of covered uh, one uh, aspect uh, already um and i think you had mentioned on the, uh, something related to this earlier on that especially for when a person passes away and from among the heirs there is like uh, children you know, people that yeah. have not reached uh, maturity yet, they've not reached puberty, so therefore hmm. um, there a person has to be quite careful not to um, not to do something that, you know, for example, like you said, re regarding like funeral costs, if they wanted to go excessive yeah. and then they were to use the wealth, maybe say example, all the adults agreed, yeah. but the children were there and they either agreed or they were not consulted. Mm. So you're saying both of these things are wrong because they, they can't agree because they're not mature. <coughs> Their transactions are not valid. Yeah. Even if they agree, the Nabal, um, we are talking about the Nabalis. Yeah, the minors. Meaning, the minors, yeah. yeah. If they, even if they agree, there is no atabar, meaning that even if they agree, can't it is not permissible. Yeah, you yeah. can't do anything. You yeah, can't rely because upon you know their transactions are not valid, because obviously especially in this case. Yeah. In this case, so, is so, not. So yeah. then, th this run, runs the risk of um, taking their share unjustly, which yeah. is extremely sinful. That's right. So it should be okay. So um, another thing that you know they are yatim now. You know the minors are yatim now. Yeah. Orphans. Yeah, orphans. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in the Quran. Many masajid will be reciting in Trabi today, Surah An-Nisa. This verse is, just before this is verse number 10 of Surah An-Nisa. Yeah. Just before the long verse of inheritance. Yeah. That those who consume the wealth those who take the wealth of the orphans unlawfully and those who eat the wealth, they take the ashes of Jahannam in their stomachs. They are actually eating the nar, the fire of Jahannam. Yeah. Because there is so much wa'id, so much wa'id, so much sin has been mentioned in the hadith that if we study the first uh, passage, First two passages of Surah An-Nisa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after, you know, Ya yuhanna suttaqu rabbakum alladhi khalakakum min nafsin wahidatin wa khalaka minha zawjaha wa batha minhuma rijalan kathiran wa nisa'a wa attaqullaha alladhi tasa'aluna bihi wal arham 
This masala is very important, very, very important. Sometimes, you know, uh, <clears throat> if a, a woman becomes widow and uh, there are minors and she wants to spend so much wealth in uh, khatam, for example, or in other different things, yeah, she is entitled, she is entitled of one thuman, one eighth, 12.5 of the estate yeah 12.5 percent of the estate rest of the money goes to the other heirs for example the sons the daughters the mother yeah so spending the money without their consent if they are bali without their consent it's haram if they are bali if they are over the age of puberty and if they agree then it is fine but if they are minors then even if they agree then their permission the fuqaha do not regard their permission they do not uh, count their permission because they are still nabalik they don't know their benefit they don't know their harms the uh, guardians they know their benefits they know their harms they know their you know everything how to take care of them and how to spend their wealth and how to look after their wealth so this is this is the logic behind and this is the hikmah and the wisdom behind not spending so much wealth after the death. Jazakallah khair. Um, okay, I guess there's a, another kind of maybe side question here that uh, what if um, a person uh, passes away and they don't have enough wealth for their funeral? I guess maybe it's not so much, uh, you know, related <coughs> to inheritance, but... Yes, nowadays, as we know that, you know, alhamdulillah, our masajid, the mosques, alhamdulillah, our community, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given, mashallah, yani, uh, so much jazbah and similarly, um, you know, brotherhood, alhamdulillah, in our community, yeah. Yeah, that we take care of the, uh, alhamdulillah, uh, inheritance. Uh, we take care of the funeral and uh, expenses and tajheez and takfeen. So, uh, nowadays, because there is no baytul mal, the common property of the Muslims like uh, Khulafai Rashidun and uh, the Islamic uh, Khalif uh, used to have uh, uh, during their time but nowadays Alhamdulillah the Masajid the Muslim community the Muslims they, they can do chanda they can do charity uh, for them and they can uh, spend the wealth and there is another way the fuqaha the jurists have mentioned that uh, the if he or she did not leave anything behind then the heirs would uh, collect the money according to their shares. According to their shares. Okay. For example, the mother, 
gets one sixth father the father gets one sixth and uh, the for example the sons and uh, the wife so according to their shares they should pay in for the funeral cost so, so basically yeah. whatever they would have yeah. the, the the share that they would have received although there's no money everyone who would have received should yeah. contribute that amount of share of yes. the total costs to cover it um so we've covered quite a lot today um and uh, in this third part inshallah we're going to try and cover uh, the next aspect um so we we said that when uh, or imam sahab said that when a person passes away and after they have you know got the 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 assets of the person the estate has been collected firstly the person's funeral costs should be um uh, taken from that uh, and spent upon that uh, and there was lots of detail regarding that so the the, the next thing is that after that um imam sahab uh, so the funeral costs have been covered uh, what uh, what is the next priority with regards to the the, the wealth that's been left over bismillahir rahmanir rahim as i mentioned before that when a muslim dies there are four duties which need to be performed and the number one is payment of funeral expenses and we have alhamdulillah in detail we have covered this the number two duty is payment of his her debts so this is called in arabic this is called qada ud-duyun qada ud-duyun meaning paying of the debts so this is the uh, second most important duty uh, and paying the debts are very very important very very important in islam the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in madinatul munawwara before leading janaza salah before leading janaza salah the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would ask the sahaba ikram has he or she left any debts behind so if it is said yes that uh, he left such and such amount or um, for you know, such and such due to such and such so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would say that you pray you perform salatul janaza upon him and uh, once uh, the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh, at the time of janaza he asked the same question so he said sallu ala sahibikum that you perform salatul janaza upon your companion so this shows the importance of paying the debts so then abu qatada radhiyallahu ta'ala anhu companion stood up and he said ya rasulullah o prophet of allah his debts are upon me i am responsible of his debts i shall pay his debts and you perform salatul janaza so then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam performed salatul janaza then we know as that the our prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is rahmatul lil alamin mercy for the mankind mercy for the universe and laqad jaakum rasulun laqad jaakum rasulun allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in surah at-tauba that uh, that this prophet alayhi salatu wassalam is raufun bil mu'minin is very merciful and kind to the believers yeah so then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam took the debts of other people uh, upon his shoulders and he used to pay the debts from baitul mal 
and he would used to lead Salatul Janaza upon the believers. But this, in, in conclusion, uh, this shows the importance of paying debts. So nowadays, you know, when we take uh, someone's possession, yeah, we borrow someone's uh, possession, something, and or if we uh, take loan from someone, then there is very, like people show less regard and uh, less importance to this. Yeah. And this masala is very, very important. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over and over again in the long verse of uh, inheritance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, That if there is any dain, if there is any dain, then the dain should be paid. Now in Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the uh, will, the bequest first in the long verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَبَاوْكُمْ وَأَبْنَاوْكُمْ لَا تَدْرُونَ أَيُّهُمْ أَقْرَبُ لَكُمْ نَفَعَ فَرِيلَةً مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, يُوسِينَ بِهَا أَوْ دَيْنٍ غَيْرَ يُوسِينَ بِهَا أَوْ دَيْنٍ Then تُوسُونَ بِهَا أَوْ دَيْنٍ يُوسِي بِهَا أَوْ دَيْنٍ Now, wasiyah, bequest, is mentioned first in the kitab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the Quran. But <coughs> Sahaba, Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, the great jurists of this ummah, they have mentioned that although in the Quran wasiyah, the uh, making a will, leaving a will bequest behind, has mentioned first, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned dain. But learning from the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu because Quran is explained by the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu Now there is a, an example that once uh, when this, uh, there are many verses, but this verse which I just remembered, that when this uh, verse revealed, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمٍ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنُ وَهُمْ مُحْتَدُونَ Meaning those who uh, embraced Islam and uh, they do not pollute their iman with zulm, with zulm. For them is peace. أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنُ وَهُمْ مُحْتَدُونَ And they are the guided ones. So when this verse revealed, it's reported in Muslim that uh, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud who says that shakka dhalika ala al-Muslimin this became very very uh, you can say difficult upon the mu'mineen upon the believers uh, that and they said ayyuna lam yadhlim nafsa O Prophet of Allah which one of us did not do any zulm so they took the zulm literal meaning transgression sin, little meaning of zulm, injustice. So uh, so they said, which one of us didn't do any zulm? For example, any injustice, any small or minor sin. So the Prophet ﷺ, when they mentioned this, their ishqal and their uh, um, the thought which occurred in their minds that the zulm means literal meaning of zulm. So the Prophet ﷺ said, no, the zulm in this verse is not mentioned it, that this is an, uh, just a normal type of zulm, 
the meaning of this verse is uh, because Quran does tafsir of Quran meaning some verses explain the other verses so Allah, uh, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that uh, this is mentioned in Surah Al-Luqman according to the nearest meaning that وَلَقَدْ وَإِذْ قَالَ لُقْمَانُ لِبْنِهِ يَا بُنَيَّ لَا تُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّ الظُّلْمَ إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَا ظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ That, O oh my son, do not associate partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because associating partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a very great ظلم. So ظلم means shirk here, associating partner. That isn't a just normal type of ظلم, any transgression, any... Um, uh, sin or any injustice that means zulm means shirk here so Quran actually explains sometimes Quran does tafsir of the verses that does tafsir of other verses and similarly then the second stage is that the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu explains the meaning of the Quran then Sahaba Ikram Rizwanullahi Rimajma'in they uh, show and they acted upon the Quran and Sunnah and the jurist and the fuqaha, Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahmatullahi alayhim. And similarly, there were other jurists like Sufyan Sauri, Imam Awza'i rahmatullahi alayhi, Abu Saur rahmatullahi alayhi, Laysi ibn Tha'an, Sa'ad rahmatullahi alayhi. So all of them, they recorded the uh, the juristic differences of Sahaba Ikram in their books. So, in this verse, although Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala began with the bequest, wasiyah, but Sahaba Ikram say that the Prophet always mentioned uh, dain first, meaning debts first. So, after tajheez and takfeen, after the funeral expenses, the uh, debts are dealt first. So, the payment of death, uh, debts will take place first, then uh, the bequest and uh, leaving a will will take place. So in this case, paying debts, for example, let's take the example. Now, uh, for example, you can say uh, Abdurrahman. Abdurrahman died and he left behind 100,000 pounds. Yeah, And uh, 10,000 pounds were spent on funeral costs yeah so that brings us to uh, to yeah, 90, to 90. yeah so he uh, the loans upon him he has to pay uh, 30000 pounds of loans that brings us to 60000 so 30000 is paid from his wealth from his estate okay now he made wasiyah bequest and the highest amount of bequest can be made is 33 percent yeah so 33 uh, more than 30 33 percent is not permissible yeah so he made and also for the waratha the heirs who have been mentioned in the verse by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or in the sunnah by the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam one is not allowed to make wasiyah for them. One is not allowed to make a will for them. That, for example, uh, the wife 
is going to get her share of with children her share is one thuman 12.5 percent and he's making uh, he's leaving a will for extra 33 percent for her the husband is leaving extra 33 percent for her through a will through a bequest so this is not permissible there is no wasiya there is no will there is no bequest for a waris the inherit uh, inheritor who is going to get his inheritance share through the kitabullah through the book of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so one is not allowed to make a bequest for someone who is already getting his obligatory share from the inheritance so dain is treated first after the funeral expenses and <clears throat> if for example uh the he didn't leave he or she didn't leave enough money to pay off the debts so that will bring us to another masala now now the masala is that for example uh he left behind let's take the first scenario that he didn't leave anything behind so he left 5000 pounds behind and these 5000 pounds were spent on his funeral costs now there's nothing yeah and he has to pay 10000 pounds from his 10000 uh, pounds of debt okay loan he, for example zaid died and he took loan from abdullah from abdurrahman from khalid 1000 2000 3000 yeah so all together is 10000 now this this masala is very difficult masala even on the day of judgment he will be asked by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he will be asked by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentions that he ate someone's wealth and he swore at someone and he hit someone and he violated someone's hukuk according to the nearest meaning you know violated someone's hukuk on the day of judgment his good deeds will be given to the one who were uh who were wronged, who were wronged. and uh, also if there is for example he uh, doesn't have any good deeds left now so their bad deeds will be transferred to his his uh, in his book of deed okay. so this is this is very uh, important masala that if we take loan we should must pay back and uh, if there is nothing left then is up to the heirs if they want to uh, lift the burden from their father or from their mother yeah so it is up to them to uh, pay off and relieve them in the akhirah yeah but it is not compulsory upon them upon it is not compulsory upon the heirs to Uh, pay off the debts of their fathers or the, their mothers yeah so if they do it there is great reward because they are doing silah rahmi they enjoying the kinship and uh, they are relieving their you know parents from this great burden of akhirah okay so um imam sab so you covered there that um after the funeral cost then there is the the debts um so you talked about like the financial aspect of things money that was owed to people um 
is there also um, we hear like you know people say that uh, you know I've heard it said that oh you know my parent passed away and they didn't do that many prayers or that many uh, fasts or whatever you know uh, there is a certain like kafara a certain amount of compensation that can be given um, to clear this up is this the case or do they have to have a will or something to state that what's the yes if if someone leaves a will that in my during my lifetime uh, for example I had to I broke uh, two fasts for example okay. yeah or for example he has to pay his mahar his dowry of his, uh, his yeah for his wife yeah and similarly 10 years zakat he didn't pay 10 years zakat yeah and 20 years salah he didn't perform 20 years salah and didn't perform hajj so from my wealth spent for my kafaras in my zakat also give fidya of my salah my prayers and also perform my hajj yeah so it is allowed but he is only allowed to make this wasiyah in his 33% of his wealth so just one third just one so third whatever's left over one third that then it's up to his and only if there's a will yeah only if there's a will yeah, yeah. yeah. and if there's no will yeah then they don't have to do it you know the heirs they don't have to act upon on this so now basically you know if for example uh, 33,000 pounds everything all the kafarats and even the hajj hajj badal whatever you know you know uh, his salah his kafarats his fidya and everything uh, is 40,000 pounds yeah out of 100,000 yeah after tajhiz and takfir and after paying debts yeah so that comes up to 40,000 and he's only allowed to make wasiyah of 33,000 pounds yeah that's one yeah. third 33,000 pounds is one third of 100,000 okay yeah yeah so it's up to the heirs now if they want to pay extra 7,000 pounds or they don't want to pay yeah it's up to them now if they pay it is good and if they don't want to pay there's no obligation upon them yeah Okay, Jazakallah khair. Um, Imam Sab, uh, we're kind of running up to now the last five minutes or so of um, our uh, program today. And, you know, I guess this topic is, um, you know, when you listen to it, uh, some people find it exciting. I enjoy it. I enjoy learning uh, about this. But I can understand that compared to, you know, maybe like the stories of the prophets and then you have, you know, Uh, hadith talking about the virtues of things there's it's mm. a lot more exciting and you listen to it and your imagination gets going whereas uh, this topic can be a bit more difficult to kind of listen to because there's a lot of complexities and it doesn't sound as exciting yeah um it's just would you be able to say a couple of words of encouragement for those that are listening that I, I, that you know you can understand it is a difficult one to sometimes listen to but It's quite necessary. Yeah, I would like to mention a few things, but uh, coming back to your, inshallah, I will come back to your question again, but I would like to mention a few things before we conclude, inshallah, this program. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, you know, as I mentioned, when a Muslim dies, there are four duties which we need to perform. Yeah. So number one is payment, uh, payment of funeral expenses. Yeah. And in that... We discuss, discussed many masail, many 
issues for example the headstone and uh, how to spend and about the khatams and all these things yeah uh, another masala is very important that we should not delay salatul janaza we should not delay salatul janaza purposely delaying salatul janaza is not permissible Similarly, in some masajid, we see that before Salatul Janaza takes place, normally when Salatul Janaza is after Asar or after Zuhr, then a lengthy speech takes place. Yeah, half an hour, 45 minutes. And people have traveled from far away. And some of them, most of them, they want to go back. They want to return back. They just came for Taziyah to attend Salatul Janaza and to pay their condolence to the family. Yeah. And now, for example, if someone traveled from, uh, from uh, London to Glasgow, from Glasgow to London, and there is a very lengthy speech yeah, before Salatul Janaza, and people are waiting for Salatul Janaza, there are many uh, wrong things in this. Number, wo- number one, we are wasting people's time. Number two, that we should perform Salatul Janaza quickly and take the Mayyad to his or her final destination. Yeah. And there is a way, yeah, there is a way we can you know, deal with this issue that normally uh, at the time of Salatul Janaza people attend the masjid early. So we can before Salatul Zuhur, before Salatul Asr when Janaza takes place, then we can start, we can the Aimma and uh, the scholars they can go early, maybe half an hour, forty five minutes. And they can start their speech and then Zohar Salah takes place on its time. And straight after Zohar Salah, perform uh, short announcements are fine. Yeah. And then perform Salatul Janaza and then, you know, let the people go. So this, this is very important issue. Number two, the last thing which we, we discussed is Qada uh, Udiyun, that payment of his her debts. After that is execute. Uh, execution of his her will for example we touched upon this subject briefly uh, Zaid yes yeah, Zaid uh, made a bequest of uh, one third of his wealth that it should be given to an orphanage or uh, to uh, dig a, a well for me for my Salih Swab for my uh, Thawab for Sadaqah Ijari a continuous Sadaqah or uh, give it to poor people And but this uh, will has to be given to someone for example if someone give this uh, 20000 pounds to the masjid yeah the masjid is not a, a something it, it can be given to a person it can can be given to a committee member to a trustee of a masjid not a masjid so then mutawalli the trustee the in charge will spend this money on the masjid yeah so the last thing is about the will and bequest inshallah we'll talk about this subject inshallah uh, in detail uh, now coming back to your uh, question that we have uh, discussed, alhamdulillah, the importance of in, uh, Islamic inheritance in detail when we started this uh, episode. So, as I mentioned before, that the Prophet ﷺ himself encourages us, that uh, encouraged us, and uh, the Quran encouraged us that tilka hududullah, these are the limits of Allah subhanahu wa taala, meaning act upon on these things. This is not hard. This is not difficult subject. Consult the scholars, the local scholars, the local aimma, the masajid. And learn the missiles of inheritance. Learn how to pay the haqatu kulla di haqin haqahu. Pay the rights of it, the rightful owner. 
So to learn, now hukuk will not be forgiven on the Day of Judgment. The, these hukuk, the compulsory shares and obligatory shares, they will not be forgiven on the Day of Judgment. So we should try to learn these masails. I know these are difficult, but inshallah ta'ala, if we learn, if we seek the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make everything easy for us. And Prophet sallallahu according to the nearest meaning, it is mentioned that uh, learn inheritance. As it is mentioned, learn inheritance, learn the Quran and learn the obligatory shares, inheritance, faraid, and teach people. A time will come upon people when two men will fight uh, regarding their uh, obligatory share and they will not find anyone who will judge uh, between them according to the Quran and Sunnah. Yeah. Jazakallah khair, Imam Saab, and everyone that's listening, Jazakallah khair for listening in.